I want you to cast your mind back seven days. Yes, seven whole days. You may have been in your armchair. You may have been on your sofa. You may even have been in your bed. But if you were with us last Sunday morning at our Church Central South online service, you'd have heard Jonathan commissioning us for the year ahead. And he used this picture from Acts 14. Uh, Paul has been uh, beaten and left for dead. But then the church, his friends, they come and they gather around him and they help him up. And they then lead him back right into the city. Now, if you're like me, you'd have thought, wow, after the kind of sleepiness of Christmas, that's what I needed. A kind of motivational and clear and relevant picture of our, uh, our calling as a church at this difficult time. Because as a church, we, we need to do just that, don't we? We need to uh, gather around each other as we're battered and bruised. Um, and pick ourselves up, brush ourselves off, and then go back into the city, into the big mission that God's called us to. We as a church started 2021 with our eyes lifted up, with our focus out there on our friends who are struggling, on our city, the wonderful city of Birmingham. Do you remember? Remember all that? Well, it might be difficult to recapture the feeling of seven days ago when the announcement of six days ago might be looming somewhat larger in your mind. And let's face it, that announcement has taken our attention from out there and has trained our focus well, somewhat closer to home, I guess. Uh, and by close to home, I mean to our homes where most of us are going to be spending pretty much all our time for the foreseeable future, it seems. Listen, it wasn't the start of the, the year that we were hoping for. There's no other way to say it. Let's get cards on the table. Uh, this is difficult. I don't want to make light of it. It's not a situation to be made light of. It's really hard and it's going to be incredibly hard, particularly for some of us. But it's particularly hard, I think, on top of all the other hard things to see how we can fulfill this vision that Jonathan laid out with us all on full lockdown. Our focus has been thrust well and truly inward by the announcement on Monday, and I guess really by the events of, of the last eight months. And you might be expecting me today then to push back and to say, no, keep your eyes on the big picture, on our mission as a church, on our city out there. But you know what, I'm just not going to do that today. Yeah, yeah, just to be clear, that's where we're ultimately going, that's where we're heading. God calls us out of our homes to serve in the church and our city, and for some of us beyond that as well. But I can't help thinking that we should just stop and we should clock what is happening around us. We've been locked back in our homes, not once, not twice, but a third time. I'm just asking the question, is God trying to tell us something through this? Is he trying to teach us something, uh, partly at least through this whole thing? And so I want to go with the flow of uh, last week's events and I want to turn our thinking inward. In fact, I'd like to spend the next 20 minutes or so uh, thinking about our houses, the houses that we're stuck in. And you might think that seems like negative and insular, but actually, in a way, everyone who ever achieves anything significant out there needs to know times when they pay attention to their house and what goes on in it. You know what, this was certainly the case for the great Jewish leader Joshua. In some ways, uh, Joshua's, whose story we can find in, uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible, in some ways his circumstances were very, very different uh, to ours. He lived in a time of national triumph for Israel, not a time of kind of tribulation like, like we seem to be going through. 
Joshua was the one who led God's people after Moses and he led them successfully into their own home, into the promised land. But though his outward circumstances, I guess, uh, were very different to ours, Joshua ended his life feeling much more similar to how we might feel at the moment than you might expect him to. As he drew to the end of his life, he wasn't celebrating. Now, he was concerned. In fact, he was very concerned. There were all sorts of things out there that concerned Joshua. He was concerned about the enemies that still lived in the land. He was concerned by the tendency in his own people to turn away from God at the drop of a hat. Behind these concerns was his understanding that if they did that, well, all their hard work would be gone because they would be kicked out of the land they'd fought so hard to get into. Like Joshua, uh, well, like us, sorry, Joshua lived with all sorts of problems out there to concern him. And so just before he died, he gathered the leaders of all the people together and he aired his concerns by spelling out the choice that he knew they were already considering. I'll read from Joshua 24, verse 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. So he lays this stark choice to them. He kind of puts out loud what they're already thinking in their minds but how does he resolve his concerns listen to how he finishes this is what he says next but as for me and my house we will serve the lord joshua resolved his out there concerns by putting on the blinkers and zooming in on what was in here what was in close proximity around him what was actually under his nose he took his mind off the things that he couldn't control and he chose to focus on the bit of the world that he could affect and influence, his house. And for the rest of the time today, I want to do the same and I want to focus on our houses. Or as some versions translate Joshua's great declaration, our households. My, my prayer is that as we do, God will give us the grace to say with Joshua, look, listen, whatever's going on out there, Whatever society is doing, or the government is doing, or the unions are doing, or the virus is doing, or even whatever the church is doing, you know what, for a moment, I'm going to shut all of them out, and I'm going to apply my vision here, and I'm going to say, yes, me and my house, we're serving God. And then I want to look at how we can use this time to get our houses uh, in line with our bigger vision as a church, and the way actually God calls us to lead in every area uh, of our lives. So let's dig a little bit deeper. And to do that, I want to point out two things about our houses that I think are excellent things um, that means that being stuck in them can be uh, an opportunity as well as a challenge. The first thing about our houses I want to highlight is uh, we have power to change our houses. Now, this is a characteristic that uh, the good UK population has kind of seized hold of en masse over uh, lockdowns one and two. And I, I don't know if your road is anything like mine, but at times it seemed like every other house has a builder's van outside it on Linsworth Road, you know. Now, there was a report by a, a mortgage comparison site recently that found that, yes, over uh, lockdowns, uh, lockdowns so far, 65% uh, of UK's homeowners have invested in one way or another in home renovations. 
And the, the cost of that, cumulatively, is a colossal £55 billion has been spent on people changing their homes. You see, see what I mean? We, we know we can change our houses, can't we? Even when we can't change a whole lot else. Now, obviously, though, today I'm not really talking about the bricks and mortar of our houses. I'm talking about the people who live in them. Now, I understand for you, uh, you and your house may just be you and your actual physical house. That might be uh, your living situation. Well, I want to reassure you, this is just as much for you as for those households that are a little bit bigger. Because by house, I'm going to be talking about how we structure our lives behind closed doors, our habits, the rhythms of our lives. And the great thing is that just as it is within your power to put a fresh lick of paint on your hall, it is also within your power to transform your house in this other way too. Perhaps in lockdown, it is even more within your power, uh, for many of us anyway, than it would uh, be otherwise. This happens for two reasons, because obviously in lockdown, uh, many of us are in our houses more and with our households more. But also it's because in lockdown, we're not distracted by trying to affect anything outside because our, our, our chances of affecting anything significant out there are significantly shrunk, they're significantly diminished. It's like the lockdown, in a sense, is kicking against one of the rallying slogans of the 21st century. Not just in the world, but actually in the church as well. What's the rallying slogan? Well, one of the big ones, I think, has been, you can change the world. Wow. It's the message, isn't it? Living life to the full is about recognising your impact and your influence. And by impact and influence, I of course mean, and our culture of course means impact and influence out there. But I think we need to understand that this slogan is at best a half-truth. Now I'm not saying that there is nobody who can make a significant difference in the world at large. No, that's not the case. Some people seem to affect enormous change on a huge scale. Now, the trick here and the, the, the bit of this slogan that definitely isn't true, which we often take in the slogan, is that we can all change the world. That's just not true. That's a lie. In fact, I'd put it to you that the likelihood of you having a major effect on global affairs today may well be smaller than it has ever been in human history before. So it's a bold claim. Do I have some research for that? Well, not, not really. I'm basing that on simple maths, actually. Uh, it's a fact that there are more people in the world today than there have ever been before. And on top of that, because of the modern obsession with changing the world, there are more of those people trying to be world changers than ever before. Uh, you know, there are more people to change and there's more competition if you want to change things. I think that makes our chances quite small in this regard. But it's not just this slogan sets us up for disappointment. Actually, the Bible seems to lay out uh, things slightly differently. I think the, the normal pattern in the Bible is that our job as Christians is to attend to the small things and let God deal with the big things. For the people of God, the call is usually, just to be clear, not always, but usually to focus on the in here things, the nearby things, the things that are right under our noses and let God deal with changing the world. Yeah, of course, often he does that through people, but that's God's initiative. In fact, when we think of the people in the Bible who God raises up to have huge influence out there, well, it's not just that almost none of them were chasing after influence in the first place. No, quite the opposite. The vast majority of them try to run away from it when God offers it to them. When necessary, 
And let's face it, pretty rarely, God does raise up individuals to be world changers, to further his purposes. But it's him who does it. And therefore, while chasing after influence out there is uh, seeing our world as a virtue, I think for us as Christians, we should be very cautious and even slightly suspicious of that slogan. As we read the Bible, the call on us as followers of Jesus is to narrow our ambitions and live faithfully in our much smaller spheres of life. To love our neighbours. And who's our neighbour? Well, she's likely to be someone very different to you. Jesus was clear on that. But you know where you'll find her. She'll be right under your nose. Because that's the thing about neighbours. They're the people in front of you now. Not the millions that you dream could one day follow you on Instagram. But actually, in lockdown, I think that God is deliberately squeezing our focus even tighter, isn't he? Because if we're going to love our neighbour effectively, let alone be a force for good in our workplace, or even change the fabric of Western culture, I don't know where you're setting your goals, uh, we've got to start with our house. Now, being locked in our house is not pleasant for any of us. I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. But I do wonder if one of the things that God is doing through this is he's graciously grabbing us and saying, you have been thinking about out there so long that you've forgotten to pay attention to the area of influence that I've definitely given you. The one area where you can actually have power to really make a difference. Your house, your personal habits, the rhythms of your life, your spouse, your children. I recognise it's not that simple for everyone listening. I, I realise that. And some of you would love to be able to use this time more proactively to think about your house. But you can't because you're working so much still out there that you're maybe in your house less than ever at the moment. That is the case for some of us. But actually, while this moment may not for you be the perfect time to apply this message, the basic principle stands true for all of us all the time. If we want to make a lasting positive difference in the world or in the church, we need to start by looking to apply that difference first in our house. And of course, the good news for us is that if we want to take this on, this is not hugely out of reach for us because our houses are the places where we can change them. They're the places we can make significant difference. This brings me on to the second great thing about houses that we do well to clock, I think. Our houses are the places that set the culture for our lives. Now again, this is a very different message to the one that we've been hearing from our culture for most of our lives. In our culture, our houses uh, are presented to us as the place where we recharge our batteries uh, so that we can more effectively do stuff in the far more important places out there. Where do you make your mark in our culture? Where do you carve out your niche and leave your legacy? Well, it's not in your kitchen or on your sofa, according to our culture, it's out there. It's mainly in the workplace, I guess. In the church, there can be a very similar tone to the pic- that picture uh, that we paint as well. Where does the real magic happen in our Christian lives? Well, it's not in our homes. That, those aren't, if you put a conference on uh, for Christians, when you could do such a thing about what goes on in your home, you, you don't get many people to it. No, where's the magic happen? What happens out there in the church meeting? Let's make that snazzy as possible. By volunteering for this or that ministry, by making a difference for Jesus in your workplace. Listen, don't don't hear me wrong. Those things are all good. Work is good. Serving on church ministries is good. Church meetings are, um, I mean, were, I mean, will be 
good. You know, they, they are good. Uh, but actually, wherever the out there is for you, where you think the magic happens, if you don't attend to your house, you may find that whatever magic there is there, it fizzles out pretty quickly. I listened to a podcast recently where an American pastor, uh, he was relating his experience of uh, leading a church in the noughties, uh, kind of 10, 15 years ago. And his church, much like ours, they, they really urged the, the people in the church to get out there, you know, to make friends with people who don't know Jesus, to uh, make a difference to their work, to go to the pubs, to go to the work Christmas dues, all of that sort of stuff. But, but what he found was that so often people from his church went out there, but they never came back. To his utter confusion, he found person after person in his church who wanted to change the world for Jesus but went out and found that the world changed them against Jesus. And their zeal disappeared. And for some of them, tragically, they lost their faith entirely. And then he realised something that those Christians had in common. That they'd only grasped half the message. They'd understood, yes, that we're called to go and to share the good news. But they hadn't obeyed the call that's equally loud in the Bible to attend to our houses to our personal relationships with God that have to start away from the world behind closed doors. Our houses are not just places we recharge our batteries. They are the places where we set the entire culture for our lives. They are the places where our service to God starts for us and for anyone else who lives there, for our spouse, for our children. I sometimes wonder... If the high value that we've placed on church over the years has had some unfortunate side effects on us. We, we all know that the, uh, the church is meant to help us to become better disciples of Jesus together. But in some areas, I think we've made the church an excuse for avoiding discipleship. So being a Christian, of course, means worshipping Jesus, doesn't it? Well, how do we learn to do that? Well, look. If you answer that question for years, would it be, well, that's easy, isn't it? That's what that 30-minute bit at the beginning of the church service on a Sunday does. And therefore, when we sing our way through countless worship times, but we actually find that our hearts don't change and they don't start overflowing spontaneously with love and praise and thanks for Jesus as we thought they should, well, the reason's obvious. The church is meant to worship for me. It must be their fault. So many would go and find another church, maybe one where they can manage to get a bassist on the rotor every week or put the drummers in those fancy transparent cages. <laughs> I don't know, because I think maybe that church can worship for me better. Another area would be with our kids. We, we desperately want our kids to grow up to love Jesus. I, I hope we do anyway. So what do we do? Well, what we've traditionally done is keep a close eye on how the Sunday morning kids work is going and hope upon hope that the Emerge team are on the ball. Because in reality, we expect the church to disciple our kids for us. We're farming off our discipleship of ourselves and our children to the church. Now, of course, with the kids' work, it's not such a clincher, because if they don't quite manage it, we just need to keep them holding on until New Day. Because <laughs> a New Day will do it for us. They'll sort it out. No... Your passion for Jesus will not be formed by our worship leaders, gifted as they are. No, it will be formed or it won't be formed in your house. The church is not responsible for discipling your children. That is done or not done in your house. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know how that lands with you. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have been comfortable saying that. That sounds stark. Um, a year ago, I don't think I'd have been comfortable saying that because it would sound a little bit harsh. But actually, if, you're, if that's sounding you a bit harsh, I'd just say, well, for the moment, I've got a backup here. It's not really a criticism. It's more a, a statement of fact. That's the obvious reality of the last eight months. You know what? The kids' team... While we're on Zoom, while we can't meet up, and the worship team, I think they're doing a cracking job. And I know most of you would agree with me. <laughs> but I don't think any of us are under the illusion that we can provide in those areas on a screen enough for us to make us disciples of Jesus and our children disciples of Jesus. But the wonderful thing about being able to preach this message at the moment is I'm not delivering this to have a go at anybody. Far from it. I'm delivering this observing things that we are all learning together, aren't we? I know that many of you have clocked these things and have been really diligent at carrying them out in lockdowns one and two. I've seen it with my own eyes, I've heard it. You want to indulge me for a second? I, I, it's beginning of the year. Um, I'll tell you some of my highlights of 2020. I've got a few. One of my highlights was a friend at community group telling me a short while ago that his spiritual health had grown over the year as he'd learned to discipline himself more to pray and read his bible consistently brilliant another highlight a couple of another couple of friends telling me how they'd earnestly sought god at the beginning of the well in the first lockdown and as a result they heard him speaking to them encouraging them to make significant changes in their lives wow it's a highlight another highlight is a group of five or six friends from church central south and west and north who've been meeting at 8am every weekday since March to read the Bible together for 15 minutes. And also the families who I've seen and heard about who've learned to have devotional times together with their kids for the first time over lockdown. Many of you have worked on your house in the first and second lockdown. You've built in good rhythms of seeking God. You've been proactive in discipling your spouse and discipling your kids. You've tried to make your house a house of prayer and a house of love for God's word. What I want to say to you is, well done. Be sure there's great reward coming for that effort and endeavour. I also say, keep going. Can you push in even further in this next lockdown and beyond? And if looking back, being honest... You just don't think that's you. You've not worked on your house in this way for whatever reason. You know what? I've got good news for you. You've got another go. I don't mean to lighten the situation by being flippant. But I would say this. If you're struggling this, with this week's news, and we all are to one degree, but you're wondering, how on earth am I going to get through this time? I've got a project for you. I don't think it's like an extra job. I don't think it's like loads of extra work. I'm not trying to claim that none of us have got anything to do at the moment. That's far from the truth. I think this project involves more of a mindset shift and a shuffling round of priorities. And here it is, and it's a question. How can you restructure your house, your daily routines, your family habits, your rhythms of life to help all the people who live in your house become more faithful disciples of Jesus at this time. At the beginning of this lockdown, not, why not declare every day with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then use the extra time that many of us have in our houses to do just that. Two things as we close. Firstly, 
I just want to underline and repeat what I said earlier on. I've wanted us to put the blinkers on today and think small. Um, and I've done that deliberately. deliberately. I think that's really important. But I'm not suggesting that we keep those blinkers on. Yes, we all need to keep our houses in order, whether we're there on our own or with others. But this is about forming rhythms, setting culture, setting habits with exactly the same goals as Jonathan laid out last week. Sometimes it is worth blotting out the world around us to focus on ourselves and our families. But it is only good to do this so that we can serve those outside of our houses more effectively. My hope would be that as we serve the Lord in our houses, we would be able to serve him more effectively in the church and more powerfully in our city as well. A church where we take hold of serving God in those three areas, house, church, city. Wow, I think that's quite something. That's a church I'm very excited about. I'm glad that our church is a church to a degree like that. I'd like us to be more like that. Secondly and finally, just want to make this concrete to finish. You might hear this and think, well, what can I do? What could this look like for me? I want to end by just listing uh, three very practical suggestions. And just to be clear, you don't have to do these things. Of course, you don't have to do them. Some of you, unfortunately, will, will just not be able to do these things. But if any of them are relevant to you, you know what? I hope they help you. Firstly, for anyone wanting to build better habits of reading the Bible, as mentioned a few minutes ago, every weekday, five or six or seven or eight or whatever it is of us, we meet for 15 minutes at 8am in the morning to read the Bible together. Uh, not, it's not someone preaching, it's just reading a Bible passage, sharing some thoughts and then praying and going about on our day. And if that serves you, email the office uh, and they'll put you hold of me and we can sort it out. Secondly, for those again who, who want to get into the Bible, but want more of a better overview to understand the Bible better, you know what, we're putting on a whole course in your house for you to do this and it's called the big story course and we'll be running it uh, uh, they'll be running on Saturdays once a month for the whole of this year and it kicks off in a couple of weeks and we plugged this a little bit before but if you want more details or to find out more or to sign in again email the office and thirdly and finally uh, for those of you who want something to help gather your family around family discipleship what does that look like you know what I've got a, a specific recommendation from the Mellor House for you uh, we in the Mellor House, we've been finding the podcasts that the church has been putting out brilliant for helping disciple us all together. Me, Gemma, the kids. Um, and uh, I've got to be honest, we are massively behind. We are still working through the Advent series. We're not even halfway through yet. But we've set up a new rhythm and it's a keeper. I like it. We've never done this before. Um, we end dinner time every day uh, when we can now with one of the podcasts, which takes about five minutes. And then we discuss it and we pray. Do the kids uh, moan about doing it? Yes, sometimes they do. Do they find out more about Jesus and learn how to develop their prayer times? Yes, sometimes they do. And you know what? That's good for me because that's much better than what was happening before. So I'll take it. And if that helped you, they're all on the website, the app, the podcast. And don't be fooled. The Advent ones are good all year round. Trust me on that one. But you know, those are just three things. And uh, you may, you, I'm sure you do have many more things that have worked for you. My encouragement would be please share them around and let's encourage each other, not just to endure this third lockdown. Yes, there will be some endurance, definitely, but not just to endure it, but to seize the opportunities it gives us by acting out Joshua's bold declaration. As for me and my house, whether we're stuck in that house or not, we will serve the Lord.